0: All right, what a privilege we have to spend some time in God's Word this morning. Uh, We are continuing on in that series that we've been working on now, I think for about six weeks, entitled Living the Dream, which is the hope for all of us. Uh, We want that to be true in our uh, personal lives, our professional lives, our hobby lives, and of course, as we've been focusing on Sundays, on our spiritual lives. And so we've been talking about how does that become a reality for us, what are the qualities What are the characteristics that we need to embody, that we need to practice in order for that uh, dream to really become a part of who we are? As Christ followers and so we've talked about a few of those areas uh, getting to this point we began by talking about the importance of faithfulness in our walk and relationship with God as well as with one another we talked about the importance of perseverance of recognizing that this adventure with God is a lifetime adventure not just for a, a few weeks or months or years we talked about the partnership that we're in with the Holy Spirit God doesn't just leave us here on our own he gives us a part of himself uh, to live not just around us, but to live within us. Uh, and then last week, we talked a little bit about anger, which is one of the things that we really, for the most part, don't want to see more of, but less of. And is just a quick recap of what we looked at last week, uh, a reminder that we talked about three different kinds of anger. We talked about sudden anger and sinful anger. Sudden anger is that anger which is most prevalent, I think, in most of our lives. It just happens when when something occurs before even, we have a chance to process and so uh, somebody cuts us off or somebody takes that last back box of captain crunch as we were reaching for it in the the counter at at the grocery store uh, we don't even really consciously think of what's happened, we just find ourselves getting a little upset with that. Sinful anger being that a kind of anger that is dishonoring to God or dishonoring to others, as we found. And in, in both of those cases, we're given some instruction in scripture on how we go about dealing with that. Part of it is to make sure that we, we put some boundaries on that. I, I think where anger moves into bitterness and maybe even rage is when we allow it to continue to mole in our hearts and minds. And so, Scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We talked about the importance, as we do that, of, of releasing anger when that is appropriate. Uh, not carrying that burden ourselves, but uh, turning it over to God. Of, of resolving it with, when that's within our capacity of going to the person having a conversation and just talking about, sharing maybe what it is that made us so upset. And then forgiving, not always an easy thing to do, but always an important thing in our lives as Christ followers. And then we wrapped up by talking about the third kind of anger and that's sanctified anger. And that's the anger we're supposed to embody. That's the the kind of anger where we get mad at the things that make God mad. Things like rape and murder and uh, uh, child pornography and all those kinds of things. Um, as God gets upset at those, they, they should have that same impact on us. Unfortunately, they don't nearly as often as they should. So with that as kind of a, a background on anger, we'll move to our topic for today, which is a, more in kind of the positive light, and, and that is looking at uh, what it means to live a life of moral integrity. What's it mean to live a life of moral integrity? I, I think we're in a, in a time today, in fact, I think probably a time as compared to the last uh, two or three hundred years, where moral integrity seems to be a real wavering uh, quality in our existence. And so we see things where uh, we think that think that sleeping uh, uh, together before marriage, what the Bible calls fornication, what we call hooking up, we think that's okay, but it's not according to God's word. Or oh, we think that, that sleeping with somebody else's spouse is, is okay. The Bible calls it adultery. We, we call it being happy. Uh, we think it's okay, but the Bible doesn't. Uh, we think the marriage between any two uh, consenting adults, regardless of gender, is, is all right. We think that's okay, but the Bible doesn't. We think that lusting after someone other than our spouse, and we use the vehicle of pornography for that, we think it's okay, but the Bible doesn't. We think that taking the Lord's name is in vain, we just call it free expression, but it's not, as the Bible tells us. We think that lying in order to avoid embarrassment or inconvenience or accountability is okay, but it's not according to God's word. Uh, we think that hating those who are different than us or, or somehow maybe have wronged us is okay, but according to God's word, it's not. And so we see these and so many other things that have to deal with this, this moral base, this moral compass that has really guided us, uh, not just as a nation, not just as people, but as a species uh, for, for many years, is suddenly um, kind of adrift and we're struggling with that. And so I want to spend just a few moments on that this morning because it is so important in our walk, in our relationship with God. I've entitled our time together today uh, pursuing or, or living out that idea of moral integrity. Now, in previous years, I probably would have referred to it as moral purity. But you know, the word purity today, it's almost taken on a negative connotation. Now, there's some things that we want to be pure. We want our water to be pure. But when we think about other areas of our life, if you talk about living a pure lifestyle or, or, or living a pure life, uh, people either think that you're naive uh, or they think you're simple or they think you're, you're some kind of fanatic. And so I, I decided to go with the word integrity because for whatever reason, that still seems to be okay. That's still in vogue. And, and I looked it up and, and the definition for integrity is this, firm adherence to a code of especially moral values. So it certainly fits what we're talking about today. And in order that people don't click off because of that word purity, even though I think maybe it's a better word, we're going to focus on this idea of, of how do we live lives of moral integrity as Christ followers. Now, I would mention that oftentimes when when we use that term, uh, moral integrity, people immediately go to this idea of sexual integrity integrity or sexual purity. That's a part of it, and we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. But but moral integrity is really a much broader idea, which we'll also spend a few moments in. And as we look to scripture and this idea of what it means to to live the kind of life that God calls us to, we see that there's a, a common image that used from the beginning all the way to the end throughout scripture. And it, it references us as vessels of God. Uh, you know, vessel being be a container. And, and so it talks about the importance of us being a, a container that, that's appropriate. It talks about us being vessels of the Holy Spirit, for example. And as I was thinking about that, um, I kind of came up with a little illustration that may drive this point home for you as well. I, I went and grabbed one of our dog's uh, water dishes here. Now, I don't know if you can see on the camera there's some like filmy stuff along the edge where the water goes up to it's probably a little bit of leftover food that was on the dog's mouth maybe some stuff where they are licking themselves i'm not sure exactly what what that's all about but uh, i got the bowl there now in our house we would set the bowl down and and we would fill it with water which i'll do off to the side here and then we'd leave it for the dogs to be able to drink throughout the day But if I was to uh, grab this and suppose I had a glass here and I took this glass and I filled it with water and I'd offered it to you for a drink. Maybe on this last Tuesday or Wednesday it was so hot anything wet would taste good, wouldn't it? Well, maybe anything but this. What happens if I took this glass and I began to drink it, which of course I'm not going to do. What would you think of that? Well, you'd think that's kind of disgusting, a little bit gross, which would be... True. You see, we don't want to take stuff out of a, a vessel that's not clean. And the same thing is true with God and us, I believe. He wants us to be vessels that are clean. He doesn't want us to be dog dishes in heaven. Think of it that way. He wants us to be that clean vessel. So, how do we do that? How do we live that life of, of integrity, of, of purity in our walk with Jesus? Well, uh, let's spend a few moments looking at that this morning. Uh, let 's talk about this whole idea of what it means to maintain that that um that idea of of sexual integrity, since that seems to be where the focus of so much of our uh, time goes in the world today, which is understandable. We are an incredibly sexualized culture today. Uh, Unless you live in a convent or a monastery up in the Swiss Alps somewhere, it's almost impossible to get away uh, from the imagery of that. We see it in in media, we see it on billboards. Uh, This past week I noticed that as the temperatures went up, the layers of clothing came off. um, and so just walking down the street, it makes it more and more challenging. Um, so how do we live that out? How do we, how do we uh, become a people, where We maintain that sense of integrity? Well, if we had to put it in a particular uh, uh, saying or, or a particular uh, label, I would say that uh, we would refrain from all sexual experience outside the biblical covenant of marriage, what does it mean to to live a life of, of of sexual integrity? It means to refrain from all sexual experiences outside the biblical covenant of marriage. And how do we go about doing that? Well, there's a there's an interesting principle I remember back from my college days. Uh, it was back when computers were they were around, yes, even in in my college days, but was Till just kind of get started and there there was a saying then I'm not sure if it's still prevalent today uh, the saying was a and it meant garbage in garbage out garbage in, garbage out. And, and in my day and age, it referred primarily to uh, programming. Um, programming wasn't nearly as forgiving as it is today. And if you didn't get it just exactly right, then the data you were trying to generate or the, uh, the program you were trying to put together, it just came out as gibberish. And how does that apply to us in our lives? Well, I think it does. It applies in the sense that, that if we want to live that life of of sexual integrity, we want to make sure that we don 't put any garbage in to begin with. We want to avoid that just stay away from those things that would would be disruptive that would take us down the wrong path in terms of of what we might think about. In fact, scripture talks about the importance of us exercising self control over our thought lives um, you know it 's interesting I, I think that Um, oftentimes we think we can fool other people in that area. We see something or we watch something, and and our mind goes to a different place than it should. But because we keep a smile on our face or whatever, we uh, we think that maybe we've fooled them. And maybe you have. But you know the one we don't fool? We don't fool God. In the book of uh, Psalms, the 139th chapter, it says this, You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. And when it talks about knowing us, it means he knows us top to bottom, inside out. He knows every fleeting thought that goes through our mind. And so scripture admonishes us, calls us, challenges us, encourages us to take captives those thoughts that might start to take us down the wrong path. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10 where he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's the part that's important. And we take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Uh, Does that mean even those things that that, uh, maybe cause our minds to wander in terms of of, of our sexuality? Absolutely it means that too. We take those things captive. As we talked about last week, we have that ability to stop. If our minds are starting to go a a direction that shouldn't, we just stop. We don't let it continue down that, and, and at least I found that, that I moved to something else. I think of something that is more God-honoring to sort of redirect the way my thoughts are going there. So we find that we, uh, we, we don't put the garbage in. We, we take our thoughts captive. Uh, thirdly, that we avoid putting ourselves in, in environments that might lead us toward compromising uh, the standard that we're trying to live by. Again, uh, Paul speaks of that when he says in 2 Timothy 2, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I'd love to be able to say that all of us have got the strength that we can fight it, that that we can resist it and emerge victorious, but that's not true. Uh, at least in some areas of our lives for some of us. For, for some of us, we need to flee. We just need to escape, get out of that, get out of that environment that might cause us to compromise uh, the standard that we're wanting to live. And so what does that mean in a practical sense? Well, it means that if you know there's going to be a movie that are going to have scenes in there that, that might cause you to think things you shouldn't think, don't go see the movie. Or if there's a book that uh, the author's known for being explicit in certain areas, don't read the book or don't go to the website or don't uh, stream on uh, a Hulu or Netflix or whatever it might be. Also can apply to the people that we associate with. Some uh, people are far more um, uh, comfortable in, in how they express their sexuality. Some uh, people, remember guys growing up with in sports, um, They couldn't tell a joke that wasn't uh, sexualized in some way or another. We have to just make sure that we guard against that, avoid those situations uh, that might lead us down that path. So the the first thing that we do is we want to make sure that we don't put the garbage in. But what happens if there's already garbage in there? And sometimes that happens. It slips past. Well, then we need to get rid of it. We need to get it out. Uh, We get rid of the bad. So if you've got uh, some videos or you've got some books or you've got some posters or whatever it might be in your home that are not leading you in the right direction, get rid of them. Don't take them to the Salvation Army. Don't take them to Goodwill. Just put them in the trash because there's really probably no one that should be looking at those and then scripture tells us something else that's interesting when it when it comes to getting rid of the bad in our lives uh, Jesus talks about an important idea of making sure that we replace it with good there 's an interesting passage in, in the um, uh, Gospel of Matthew the fifth chapter and in other places uh, as well or the twelfth chapter sorry um, where he talks about uh, this individual who had a demon and, and the demon had been cast out and so the demon goes and looks for a better place to live looks around there 's nothing really good out there and so as he comes back to the person he initially left, he finds everything 's cleaned up it 's nice the guy 's got and his his life in order, and that's a good thing. But it's empty. And so the demon brings along seven other demons that are worse than he was. And Jesus says the end result is that this guy's in more trouble than he was when the demon was there by himself to begin with. Uh, Folks, it's so important for us when we we get rid of those bad things in our life uh, that we replace it with something good. Something edifying, something uh, that will build us up because it's just so easy for those demons, uh, for those thoughts, for those things to creep back in. And sometimes they come back with a vengeance, resulting us in even being in worse shape than we were before. So what kinds of things do we fill it with? Well, uh, there's all kinds of things that we could use. We can use hobbies, uh, fishing, hiking, working out, cooking, uh, swimming, travel, uh, maybe uh, going running, doing puzzles, uh, knitting, the list is endless. Uh, there's things that we can do in terms of, of, of growing spiritually, um, maybe connect with some things that are going on in the church, a Bible study, a, a Sunday school class, and maybe uh, being more consistent in, in coming uh, to church, maybe uh, looking at some things that are God honoring in terms of what we watch, like things from right now, media or books that, that, that um, uplift God rather than tear him down. There's all kinds of ways that we can fill that gap, that void, but we need to do that. Fill that void. Uh, So uh, so we have this great idea of of what it is that we can do to make sure that we maintain this sense of sexual integrity. And it's back to uh, that computer term, uh, garbage in and garbage out. We just make sure the garbage isn't there. Uh, But what about beyond sexual integrity? You see, uh, morality goes far beyond that. It really kind of embodies all the things that we could potentially say or do or think. How do we maintain a sense of general integrity? Well, my suggestion to you would be that one of the best places to start is just to go back to that, that um, list of, of instructions that God gave us so long ago that that's almost forgotten in today's society, uh, that list of instructions that's called the Ten Commandments. You know, way back when I was growing up, uh, you learned those in school, in public school. They would talk about that. Can you imagine that? But today, uh, those things have pretty much gone by the wayside, as have the principles uh, that they espouse. And so we need to be aware of what those are. I'm not going to read all of them, but the references on the screen, Exodus 20, 1 through 17, it's a a listing of all of those different uh, commands that are there. There's a, a shot here that talks about those. You want to glance at those as well. What do we do? Well, we learn them. Um, For some of us, it may be learning them for the first time. We get introduced to those concepts, and that is so important. But if it stops there, it's not going to help us in maintaining that moral integrity. We'd have to not only learn them, we have to live them. And so we think about how do we integrate these things into our life, even if uh, society is pretty much okay with these things. The society doesn't say much anymore about taking the Lord's name in vain. The Society doesn't say much anymore about not coveting, but God does. And so how do we, how do we take those, those truths, those things that are in our best interest, as well as beneficial to the kingdom, and how do we begin to integrate those into our lives? How do we live out that life of, of moral integrity? Well, first, I think, go back to the Ten Commandments. Great starting point for us. Second thing that we can do, though, is I think we can daily renew our commitment to God. Daily renew our commitment to God. Now, why do we have to do it every single day? Well, um, because some of us are born, I think, with this this case of, of spiritual amnesia or dementia. We just forget things from one day to another. I would be one of those. I wish it wasn't true. I wish I didn't have to learn the same lessons over and over again. Maybe I'm just an exceptionally slow learner. I don't know. But there's some things I just need to be reminded of on a constant and on a regular basis. And I know, I know I'm not unique in that. I'm not the only one, because Jesus talks about that. In the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter, Jesus says this: Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. It doesn't say yearly, it doesn't say monthly, it doesn't say weekly, it says daily. Daily, we need to recognize that there may be sacrifice that's required. Daily, we need to, to recommit ourselves to being faithful, even if that puts us out of sync or alignment with some of the rest of the culture. Daily, we need to re-express our love to God. Now, uh, our salvation is secure. It has no, nothing to do with, with our place in heaven. That's already been set. But just in order to live the life God calls us to, oh, we need to do that on a daily basis. So what do we do? Well, we, oh, we live out those Ten Commandments. We, we daily renew our commitment to God. And then thirdly, I would suggest we need to confront the sin that gets in there nonetheless. Even when we do our best, there's still pieces of sin that, that manage to, to weave their way into our lives. And so how do we confront that sin? Well, first off, we confess it. In 1 John nine, 1 John 1, 9 it says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Folks, I can't tell you the number of people I've talked with, counseled over the years who, who just have found their lives so burdened, so guilt-ridden because of something that they've done that they, they just can't seem to let go. And yet all they have to do is confess it to God and, and He releases them from that. We need to make that confession. We need to make that acknowledgement. Uh, folks, we're not fooling anybody if, if we think that God doesn't know that there's some sin in our life. In fact, if we don't think he knows a specific sin. And so we need to confess it. But then Scripture calls us uh, to more. It says not only do we need to confess it, we need to repent from it. In Luke 5, it says, Jesus speaking here, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to. And it's interesting. He says, I've called... I've come to call the sinners to repentance. doesn't say salvation, though we know that's important. He talks other places about that. I think in this particular instance, he's wanted to remind us that that one of the ways that we know that the Holy Spirit truly has taken residence in our hearts, that, that we're living the life that God calls us to, is when we begin to see changes in our life. If we say that we're Christian and there is no difference in anything that we've done, I know that makes me a little nervous as a pastor to hear people talk about that. There should be a difference. There should be a change. And as we, we think about confessing that sin, part of repentance is uh, committing to doing our best never to repeat that again. Now, we don't always follow through on that. Sometimes we stumble. Sometimes we stumble once or twice or more. But, but every time we recommit to doing the best that we can not to fall into that same temptation, that same sin, that same shortcoming. God calls us to confront that sin that is there by confessing it and then by repenting of it. So what does it mean to live a, a, a moral lifestyle? What, what does it mean to, to live with moral integrity? Well, it means avoid, avoid living those things that, uh, that would cause God to view us as a, as a spiritual dog dish. Again, no one wants us to be a dog or no one wants to be a dog dish in heaven. It means refraining from all sexual experiences outside the biblical covenant of marriage. How do we do that? Well, we we manage the garbage. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. The best way is not to put the garbage in to to begin with. And so we we take every thought captive. We avoid those environments that might lead us to temptation. And when the garbage does get in, then we quickly get rid of it. We do what we have to, to to remove it from our lives and as we do that, we make sure that as we take the bad stuff out, we bring some good stuff in. Maybe a hobby, maybe a deeper walk with God, or whatever that might be. And in terms of general integrity, how do we uh, live a better life there? Well, we, we just uh, learn what the Ten Commandments are, and then we live those out. Uh, if we just did that, and just the people in the church did that, our world would be a different world. Our nation would be a different nation. Our neighborhoods and city and state would be different places as well. We need to live out the Ten Commandments. We need to renew our commitment to God on a daily basis in order to really find ourselves living the life of a vibrant disciple and not a passive believer. And then we need to confront the sin that creeps in. It does for all of us from time to time. We need to confess it, and we need to repent from it. And if we'll do that, um, well, then we'll have taken a huge step forward on realizing what it means to live the dream. To live the life God calls us to and intends for us, let me wrap up with just one more quick story for you. there was a, There was a guy, a salesman, who had just kind of gotten started with this company and he had the potential of, of getting a really big contract with this uh, particular vendor and so he, he, he went to the guy there, the purchasing agent and said, I'd love to get your business. And, and the purchasing agent said, well, I'll tell you what. Talk to him on the phone. said, come down to my office, we'll talk about it. So he goes down to the office, and there, uh, as he walks in, he has a seat, and the purchasing agent says, hey, um, I gotta go take care of something real quickly, but just wait here for a moment, and I'll be right back. And as this salesperson is seated there, he sees on the desk of this purchasing agent there's a Coke, can of Coke sitting there. And underneath the can of Coke, is a bid from one of his rivals, from another company that wants the business. Uh, you know, he couldn't quite see what the numbers were that were written down there, but, you know, if he just moved the can, he'd be able to see. Now, he knew that wasn't right, uh, but he wanted to get the business. And so he goes he over quickly, looks to make sure the purchase agent isn't coming in, and then he, he gently lifts up the can, much to his shock, to see then hundreds of BBs fall out from underneath the can where the guy had cut a hole. You see, it was a test by this purchasing agent. The salesman failed the test and never ended up doing any business there. Folks, I mention that only to highlight the fact that as Christ followers, uh, there's people uh, watching everything that we do. Uh, People putting us to the test constantly. Uh, Sometimes those people are Christians, but I guarantee you, for those who are not Christ followers, they're watching We talk a big talk, but do we live it out? Is it evidence in the things that we say and the things that we do, even uh, to the best that they can tell through the thoughts that go through our mind? Tragically, we've not done a very good job in the church with that recently. But we can't change all the church. We can change us. So may God help us to be a people of moral integrity May our lives be lives uh, that, as God looks down, uh, puts a smile on his face. May we know what it is to live uh, the kind of life to, to do the things, to say the things that are honoring to God and his kingdom. May we do that today and tomorrow and this week and throughout the remainder of our days. Amen.